Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR, as always, joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. And we are roughly 48 hours away from the 2021 NFL Draft for our final preview of Thursday night's main event. We're going to frame the discussion through props once again. For that, we are joined by a young man who, I mean, honestly, I'd be shocked if anyone in the world is grinding NFL props harder than him, been really impressed by his process and method and work that he's put into this. He just told us he's given up sex for a month for a 30% ORI in NFL draft props. It is Anthony Miko of Football Guys. Anthony, how's it going? What's going on, guys? I uh, appreciate you having me on. And uh, of course, the kind words. You know, it means a lot. Uh, Evan, 48 hours away. You excited, buddy? What's going on? Yeah, excited to uh, wrap up this uh, this final mock draft and really grill uh, Miko on uh, what what is left on the board that we can still bet. And also if he's got any long shot bets, because that's really what I've been looking for these last couple of days, because I think that, you know, the, all the little ones are kind of, they've been rendered efficient or else I bet him so much that, you know, I'm sort of tired of betting them. And so if we could peg, a, you know, a couple long shots that, I mean, that would be sick to really um, uh, finish up the, uh, the uh, draft prop uh, preparation. Yeah. I uh, put in the article on the site in the draft props article, uh, both Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith to go to the Cardinals at, at 50 to one. Um, and now they're down to like plus 900 and plus, 1200 so even those long shots I mean, it doesn't take a lot of money on the long shots for them to move the lines but i do think that there is still some good stuff out there before we get into it wanted to let everyone know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends at underdogfantasy.com uh, for me you know and actually probably many of you the best part of fantasy football is undoubtedly drafting and so the draft only format does exist and that's what underdog specializes in it's called best ball so check out our underdog specific best ball rankings on the site, head to underdogfantasy.com. Check it out if you use promo code ETR starting Thursday. Not today, not Wednesday, Thursday start, and you'll get $25 on top of any deposit with promo code ETR. Whether you're a new or existing customer, when you make a deposit, $25 on top of what you deposit. Promo code ETR really is an awesome app and platform. You can go back and listen to the interview I did with Jeremy uh, Levine, who came on the pod last year. He is the man. Okay. As you guys know, we did a draft props pod with the great Matt Friedman. I don't know. What was that? Three weeks ago or so. And obviously a ton has changed, not just the lines, you know, which have shifted dramatically, which Evan just alluded to, but also the level of information, the accuracy of information available. So we want to circle back here and basically start from scratch. If we had a blank card as of today, and by the way, it's about 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. If we had a blank card, we had not bet anything yet. What is still out there? So I want to start with what, and honestly, I'm kind of sick of talking about the number three overall pick, honestly, but everybody continues to talk about the number three overall pick. At this point, I think we know that it's either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. You can still get Trey Lance at plus 250 or better. Evan, I'm curious what you've heard. Do you think there's still any value in Trey Lance or are you resigned to the fact that it's now Mac Jones? You got to lay like minus 300 now, minus 250 to get Mac Jones to go number three overall. Yeah, Um I think it's like 80% Mac Jones, 16% Trey Lance, and 4% other. And that's kind of way that, the way that I'm viewing. I mean, you you could bet it Mac Jones, but you know, the you're not getting great odds. Um, you could take a shot on Trey Lance. I think if, if you're gonna do Trey Lance, do one of these like exact outcome bets. 
where you're 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 essentially doing a parlay um, where you're you're betting picks three through five and Trey Lance plus you know uh, Kyle Pitts at number four plus um, Jamar Chase at number five and you can get a lot better odds than just betting Trey Lance straight up to be the number three overall pick. That's kind of how I I would do it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think right now. If I was going to bet, I guess I'd suck up the, uh, the, the the negative odds and take Mac Jones. I think it's really, really likely, especially after that press conference yesterday yeah. with Kyle Shanahan calling Mac, calling the quarterback that they traded up for the starting quarterback, you know, indicating that they are going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. It made some sense that if the 49ers were going to uh, go for Trey Lance here at number three, then they would keep Jimmy Garoppolo, start him in 2021. And, you know, sort of ease Trey Lance in. But I think that they view Mac Jones as, as NFL ready. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers probably in week one. Uh, Anthony, I know you watched the press conference. I mean, why, why have the press conference if you're just going to be pissed off the whole time? You, you know what the questions are going to be about. But what did you glean from the press conference? And do you think there's anything still to take at the number three overall pick? Yeah, I mean, the, the-, the theatrics are pretty incredible, I thought. Um, but it, it definitely it felt like Kyle Shanahan was like prepping the fan base to just really disappoint them and take Mac Jones third. And that was kind of the vibe that I got from that. So yeah, if, if you go on 49ers Twitter right now, they are hot. They, well, they've been <laughs> hot for weeks. Like if you put in your mock draft two weeks ago that the 49ers were going to draft Mac Jones, just an onslaught of hate from the Bay area would, you know, would hound you for the next several days. And you try, you try to like hide your mock draft, you know, like if you tweeted it out, you delete the tweet because you just, you can't handle the hate from the Bay area. Yeah. I mean the chat, even the, just like the chat and the things they did on YouTube. I don't know if you guys watched. So like the, the chat is scrolling on YouTube and it's just like, you can't even read it. Cause it's just like, no Mac, no take Justin Fields. Like the whole, the whole time was crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of value. Like I, I, I feel pretty similar to Evan on this. Yeah, I think it's a pass for now. But what I do think is not a pass is the stuff around Justin Fields. And Evan's alluded to, it feels like there's a disconnect between what fans, what media, what everybody thinks about Justin Fields and what the NFL thinks about Justin Fields. And that's still reflected in the prop sum. On Fox Bet, you can get Trey Lance and Mac Jones to be drafted before Justin Fields at plus 250. And then on MGM, you can get Justin Fields over six and a half draft spot, the draft spot over six and a half at even money, plus 100. So Anthony, I'm curious what you think about some of this field stuff, because it seems to me like he's going to slip and it's going to be a big quote unquote shock in the media, but I don't think it necessarily should be a shock. There hasn't been a lot of credible reporting that San Francisco ever even considered Justin Fields or that Atlanta even is considering taking Justin Fields. So what do you think about some of these fields fades props? Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. I mean, the every single person that has been propping up fields to the Niners has been, you know, like a fantasy guy or a fan, like someone that just really wants it to happen. There hasn't been any credibility to anything putting fields at three. And I feel the same way at four. I mean, I know that there's the Georgia connection there uh, that they can maybe take him for those reasons. But I mean, earlier reports in draft season were linking Trey Lance to the Falcons at four when they were considering a quarterback and, and maybe they still are, but it sounds like they're probably sticking with the pick and taking Kyle Pitts. So once you get to five, I mean, I think since he's going to stay home and it sounded more and more like Miami's not really going to be able to make a move because I feel like they want to stay inside the top 10 so they can draft, you know, maybe one of the Alabama receivers or still get one of those blue chip guys. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not really sensing that Fields is going to go in the top six. So if you can get over six and a half, I think that that's definitely really good at MGM. Uh, I know on FanDuel now it's eight and a half. I think that's a little bit of a stay away. The juice is really heavy on the under. Uh, I kind of feel like that's about right for him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think fading Fields is the play. Even yeah, I think if you really like Justin Fields, which I know I do, I know you guys do, like you have to kind of just suck it up and and do what do what's going to happen. I mean, betting the draft, it's like, it's a one game, big game of lot and thinks like we're not, mm-hmm. we're not really doing what we think is should happen. It's what we think is going to happen. I wonder if the best way to approach the Justin Fields situation at this point is to try to find a team that might come up for him where you can get like some sick odds. Like I uh, did a show last night and uh, Joey Kanish, uh, the once great Joey Kanish, um, <laughs> suggested uh the Steelers like coming up to get Justin Fields I think it was at like 33 to 1 mm-hmm. or something like that the Patriots there's been enough reporting now that you're not getting very good odds for them to come up but maybe like the Eagles like nobody's talking about the Eagles actually there has been some buzz the Eagles might want to come up um period we don't know who necessarily they'd be targeting targeting we assume it would be a pass catcher but you know it's not crazy to think that if Justin Fields falls to the right spot, the Eagles, I mean, I think they're like 40 to one to draft Justin Fields. Um, so I think that that's an, an interesting way to approach it. And then the, the Broncos still, I think, I mean, they would make a lot of sense to come up to seven and, and, and be that team to go up and get Justin Fields. And I think that they're like uh, uh, four to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they would make some sense too. Yeah, you had Fields going seventh in your latest mock. By the way, Evan's latest mock is up on the site. He'll have his final mock Wednesday night, I believe, right, Evan? And so you had him going seventh as a trip, but you're not projecting any trades in there. But it does seem like seven is a really good spot. So again, over six and a half, I think, makes sense. But yeah, if you were projecting trades in there, Evan, I think you'd still have him going in that seven, eight range, right? Even though you had him seven in the mock to the Lions. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll have him in the seven to nine range for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the running back stuff because there's been a lot of chatter lately about Javante Williams. Javante Williams is going to be a first rounder. It's actually not that big a difference between the NFL doesn't see that huge of a difference between Javante Williams and Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. You can still get Javante Williams to be the first running back off the board at plus 750. You can still get Javante Williams to go in round one at plus 175. And maybe the one that I actually think might be best right now, you can get over one and a half running backs to go in the first round. In other words, two running backs to go at plus 180 now on Fox bet. It just seems like there's a lot of steam around Najee going to the Steelers. And then there's a lot of steam around NTN being the kind of player we've talked about that teams can justify using a first round pick on. And now there's also steam on Javante Williams. Obviously, I think any of these guys in the first round is pretty egregious, but the NFL doesn't mean the NFL agrees. So I think there's still some value here. Uh, Miko, what have you been doing lately about the running back spot? Yeah, I like the Williams to be the first running back at plus 650, I think, or plus 750, whatever you can get at it. I think that that's reasonable. I mean, I feel like he probably should be closer to like three or four to one, given how teams have drafted running back. And we just saw last year, like, I don't think anybody had Clyde Edwards Hilaire as the best running back in the draft, but he was the first running back that someone was willing to take a shot on. And the Chiefs thought that he fit what they did the best. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of variance in how these running backs play out. And if you want, a couple long shots, Evan. I kind of think this is this is the spot to do it because on FanDuel they have uh, exact order of the first three running backs. I don't really think that there's any doubt that 
these three guys, you know, Javante Williams, ETN and, and Harris are the first three running backs. It's just a matter of the order. So you can get uh, Javante followed by Harris, followed by ETN at 60 to one. You can get Javante followed by uh, ETN followed by Harris at 34 to one. You can get uh, both the combos with Javante being second are 10 and 15 to one. Like, I think that those are really good bets. Uh, they've come down a little bit, but I still think that those are, that those odds don't really reflect the probability that these running backs just come out in an order that we don't really expect. So that's kind of how I would attack this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amika, you were wondering if, if anybody had Clyde Edwards Hilaire as the number one running back drafted in last year's class. Well, we did. Oh no, um, I know. I know you guys all right, did. <laughs> all right. All right. I just mean like, I just mean in terms of like the prospect, like I, I yeah. don't know if anyone had him ranked right. as the number one prospect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, when we're, when we're thinking about these like longer odds, like plus 750, I mean, it only has to happen around 11% of the time for it to be a plus EV bet. So, you know, obviously when you think about these things, it's not likely Javante goes first, but only 11% of the time it has to happen. Evan, how tempted have you been to jam more running backs into your first round? What have you been hearing there? What do you think about over one and a half running backs in the first round? Yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, and, and Daigle was, I was talking about this with Daigle, uh, the other day, like you kind of got to leave your ego at the door when you're trying to make projections and and make bets. And the fact that you think that Najee, the Najee Harris would be a stupid pick for the Steelers at number 24 overall, you know, you got to kind of leave that at the door because uh, the information that we're getting is that, I mean, this might be one of the, 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 the late round picks that we can sort of peg. Um, the, the Steeler, it's been coming. I mean, we, as much as the, you know, the, the, the guys that cover the Steelers are boomers and they are the, the type of, of guys who would be like, Oh yeah, we gotta, let's trade up for a running back. You know, <laughs> they do have a really good read on the Steelers organization. And there have been times throughout the, the tenure of the Roonies as owners where the, where ownership will step in and be like, we have to fix our running game. That was the year that they drafted Rashad, Rashad Mendenhall uh, in the first round. It was one of the reasons that they got rid of Bruce Arians because he was throwing the ball too much. And so if ownership to some extent, you know, steps in and says, hey, we need to fix our running game. You know, if Najee Harris is there, let's take him. We'll take an offensive lineman in the second round. It's supposed to be a deep uh, draft for offensive lineman. It is not a deep draft for running backs. I mean, the running backs after the first three, maybe four fall off a cliff. I mean, it's just a bunch of role players. You know, they're, you're not, you're not going to get a starting running back unless you get one of the top three, maybe four. So um, they, they could justify it that way based on position scarcity. Uh, again, I think you need to kind of filter out what you think and what you think it would be right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the Steelers offensive line is so bad. They should use their first, second and third round picks on offensive linemen. It is that bad. Yeah. Um, one bet we talked about with Friedman that I actually have at plus 225 that now I'm getting worried about is Najee versus Etienne. And like that line, I thought it was going to move a lot to like maybe a coin flip or something, but Najee is still a huge favorite. I mean, the best you can get on Etienne now is like plus 180. I thought that line would move more. Amico, do you think those are dead tickets now? Those those Etienne over Najee tickets, even though they're like plus 225? No, I don't think that they're dead. I mean, I... I think that like, give me all the dogs and these running back head to heads. Cause we just don't know. Like that's the best way yeah. to play it. I feel like, like these are just big coin flips. And one other thing on, on just like the running back position in this draft in general, like I think that's something that we may be overlooking is that like with the COVID 
And the way that the draft process has happened, and I think the way that this particular draft lays out, like a lot of teams are saying, you know, they only have between like 12 and, and maybe 20 guys that they peg as first rounders. And then the next like 40 or 50 players they have as kind of the same. So if you factor in like how soon the board gets really flat and the uncertainty overall with this draft, it does make some sense why teams might move running backs up because that's a position that they feel comfortable taking and a position that won't be a bust for them. And that's something that a lot of teams really try to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a bad draft. I mean, it's the, the lowest um, uh, uh, turnout of uh, players that are actually even eligible uh, for the draft. And, uh, and then running back is, you know, one of the bottom two position groups in the, in the draft itself. So yeah. You know, hopefully, and, hopefully, for you know, I, I like over one and a half running backs in the first round right now, you, which you can still get at plus one seventy five yeah. on DraftKings. I mean, th- those are nice odds, and I think that that we're trending toward two running backs with an outside shot at three if Javante Williams could sneak in there, maybe maybe like at number thirty two. Yeah, you said it's a bad draft for a couple of reasons. I'd add, I'd add one more reason it's a bad draft. All of the wide receivers are rating so poorly in the PSM. I mean, these guys are like 160 pounds. They're, they're. I mean, you know, we'll see how it goes. But dude, I mean, people were saying that the wide receiver class was good. It's a bunch of gadget guys. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know where well, that was coming from. We're going to talk more about the wide receivers and their landing spots after the draft. We'll do a bunch of pods talking about the draft fallout and what we think of the rookies, how it affects the veterans and everything. And I'm real curious to see what the market thinks of some of these kind of gadgety, small, slottish guys that are going to have a lot of draft capital behind them. We'll see how it goes. Okay. One bet we talked about with Friedman uh, was this Micah Parsons to be the first linebacker off the board. And I think the reason that it hasn't gone up in fact it's gone down a little bit like there was a lot of minus 350s out there michael parsons to be the first linebacker off the board is now around you can get minus 305 on DraftKings. i think part of it's been some of this off field stuff which i don't think i think has been somewhat overblown so i'm tempted to reload more on parsons to be the first linebacker off the board i know you're tracking a lot of this stuff with with uh positional prospects and how often guys are coming First off the board, Amico, what do you think about Parsons? Is there still is it still a bet again, I guess, for me? Is it a bet again at minus 305 first linebacker off the board? Yeah, it's a little bit of a stay away for me still, just because I think a combination of things. We have the off-field stuff with, uh, you know, supposedly like maybe hazing a teammate, you know, some stuff he did at Penn State. Um, apparently, some of that stuff has been kind of resolved or isn't a big deal to teams. I mean, Albert Breer yesterday in his Monday afternoon quarterback article was saying that, it, the stuff with, with him doesn't seem as big a deal. It sounds like Barmore out of like uh, the first round guys are the, is the guy to worry about the most of the off field or, or character concerns. So, I mean, you've seen that a little bit in how Parsons over under has reacted. Like it's 12 and a half now uh, in a couple places, the under on 13 and a half is now the favorite where I think over was kind of trending for a little bit. So I totally understand Parsons uh, being the, the first linebacker. It's just not something that I really want to bet because I feel like also, we're not sure how teams are going to draft the, the opt-outs. And, you know, Parsons does have that kind of sweet spot between maybe like 9 and 12 where he could come off the board. But once he makes it past there, I think all bets are off. Like, I could definitely see a team taking maybe like a Zayvon Collins over him. Uh, we know that Collins has been linked as high as 16 to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, a couple earlier reports had them him maybe going to Dallas. I don't think it's going to happen, but it just goes to show how kind of high he's come. So if I'm betting first linebacker right now, I like to get David Collins between anywhere from like 10 and 16 to one. 
I think that's probably the way to play it. I think that there's a lot of questions with Parsons. You know, he gets to the middle of the first round. We're looking at, you know, uh, like I mentioned Collins, you know, Jameen Davis, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. Like he could go off the board around 19. So I, I, it just seems a little sketchy to me. It's not something that I'm really looking to uh, to lay the the big minus juice on. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the article on Pro Football Talk uh, this morning about Zaven Collins? No. It was like Zaven Collins could go as early as 16th overall. Like Mike Florio, like operating as Zaven Collins' agent. <laughs> um, it was like, I mean, it, it was it was incredible. I you know you don't really see stuff like that very often. Two more usually gets like shit on by everybody, so people stop doing it. But yeah, that was I mean that was a brutal brutal r- report. There. Thorman but, had a tweet, but it's true that Zayvon Collins. It's, it seems like Zayvon Collins' stock, you know, stock has been like on the rise. Um, he's just a massive linebacker who you know moves like a smaller linebacker, and um, you know, teams are excited about him. Yeah, Thorman had a tweet like, "If you mute, might maybe hearing, you just won't have a timeline left because like you know, it's it's like ridiculous." So yeah, part of this is for sure parsing through uh, all of the quote unquote reports to figure out what's real. And what's not for sure. Uh, okay. One other thing I want to talk about, Evan, you mentioned it on the pod we did Sunday night slash Monday with Scott Smith is this Eric Stokes stuff. And I think we've kind of blown out the market here. You specifically have blown out the market here a little bit. I was able to get 45 and a half under minus 110. There was some 47 and a half on Eric Stokes. Under was minus 110. Now I think the best you can do is 45 and a half minus 175. FanDuel has dropped it all the way down to 41 and a half. So I think you've single-handedly moved that Eric Stokes market, do you think it's still worth betting at these kind of, uh, now you got to lay some wood and it's down to 45 and a half. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really looked at it here in like a day. Um, and I know this, all this stuff is moving quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think it's still, I think it's still pretty good. I mean, in my, in my latest mock draft, I put him 22 to the Titans. Um, he is a plus size cornerback. He played in the SEC uh, he had four picks in like, I don't know, 10 games last year. Um, he goes to his pro day, runs four, two, five, four, two, seven, you know, and I've, I've heard that he's valued as a late one. And then if you look at the teams that are drafting in the late first round, I mean, there are so many teams that could use a cornerback in that range. I mean, it's just like everybody in the back from 16 all the way through 32, I mean, I even think the Bucs could, could take a, a cornerback because, the, I mean, they're probably going to only, only be able to pay one of Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean um, all the way through. I mean, the Packers, the Ravens are always looking to upgrade their – to, uh, you know, uh, uh, complement their secondary. Uh, the Colts at 21. Uh, the Titans, again, at, at 22. I mean, it's just chock full of, of cornerback mm-hmm. needy teams. I love the over on four-and-a-half cornerbacks drafted in the first round. Um, I know a lot of people have been on the over on the wide receiver uh, total. Uh, I, I like the cornerback total a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Amico, how do you handle this when like, I don't know if I don't, I have no idea if Evans out on an Island or not, but like if Evans, the only one that's saying this Stokes stuff, how do you handle some of these over unders on guys who, you know, like Schrager put someone in his first round and we love Schrager here, but last year he had Harrison Bryan in the first round, I think. And in one of his mocks guy ends up going in the fourth round and stuff like that. And so how do you handle well, I mean, these? Like, it- <laughs> He won the fucking Mackey Award. So, you know, <laughs> Schrager having him in the first round. I mean, Schrager was right. The teams were wrong. Exactly. 
Amico, how do you handle some of these late round stuff? Because there are some good value on some of these over-unders on guys if you get a good read on them and you can get a guy like Stokes who we think can go in the first round and you're getting 45 and a half. I mean, that's a lot of cushion. Yeah, and and giving some credence to to Evan's point that he made on the podcast, NFL.com came out today with, you know, six potential surprises in the first round and Eric Stokes was on that list. So, you know, I don't think I think that there's some some fire here to the smoke. I don't think that it's this is just out of nowhere. Uh, and in general, yeah, like if I can get uh, a little bit of cushion on guys who have first round potential, you know, now, you know, two to three of the guys whose mocks I'm following have Stokes in the first round. So that that's that matters to me. Like if I can get 20 percent equity in a first round guy and I get half of the second round, too, I really like that. So I agree with Evan on, on the total on corners, too. I mean, I, that's this is the position last year. I think we had six in the first round. Uh this is a passing league. We talk about it all the time. And I think that that means a lot of corners going. So, you know, I think if I'm in terms of like resources, I'm all over uh, grinding the mocks, which is Benjamin Robinson's uh, shiny app. And he tracks all the mocks and tracks where players are trending. So that's an easy way to check because I, I think that the books just set a lot of really bad lines on these guys who go day two, sometimes yeah. even day three, because they're just trying to get numbers out there. Right. Oh yeah. Some of these lines on guys that are, that are late. Do you have any other guys that you like that they've said over unders on um, for some of these, like kind of people probably haven't even heard of some of these guys projected to go late first, early second. I mean, Joe Tryon still 41 and a half on uh, William Hill. That's a guy who, I mean, Benjamin Albright says he's going to go in, in the top 40. Um, a bunch of other guys have, have been mentioning him. Uh, Basham was on the the top six, the six list on, NFL.com today, he's still in the mid 40s. So, like, these are all guys that you can get at good prices, I think, still. And I wanted to mention uh, one guy because I was listening to Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah's uh, podcast. And he, uh, Bucky Brooks, asked him what uh, uh, one sleeper, you know, his favorite sleeper that nobody's talking about that might go in the first round. He said Peyton Turner, Houston edge rusher. Um, the, the the problem I, I can't find anywhere to get down on this. Um, so it's on William Hill, you, okay, he's 69, okay. 69 and a half. Okay, hey, hey, that that sounds like a great bet then on the under yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, okay, Anthony. Anything we haven't talked about here that you think is still good that's on the board that we should discuss? Yeah. So I mean, just generally speaking look for the value because there's, there's books that just adjust way slower. Like William Hill adjusts things really slow points, bet sometimes adjusts things really slow. Like on points, bet you can get Atlanta to draft Kyle Pitts at plus plus one twenty, And it's pretty much my, it's, you're pretty much laying juice everywhere else. So that's mm-hmm. something that, that I think is good. Um, I'm starting to warm up to the def- total defensive lineman in the first round over four and a half. It's a little, Tricky sometimes because the classification is based on what is on NFL Network. So sometimes these defensive linemen who play on the edge, they get listed as offensive line, uh, outside linebackers. But there's just a ton of guys now that we're hearing that have first-round potential. I mean, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, I think those guys are pretty much locked in. Uh, Aziz Ojolari is probably locked in, but he is he seems like the guy most likely to maybe be classified as an outside linebacker. But we still have Christian Barmore, uh, Jason Owe, Gregory Rousseau, uh, Carlos Basham, Joe Tryon. And uh, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. An- Anwuzariki is the second defensive tackle, but he's like inside the top 40 on a bunch of these lists. So we have like eight or nine guys who could go in the first round. We only need five. And I think that that makes it pretty yeah. good. And it's plus 110. Both uh, about, Barmore. About, 
Yeah, Barmore. Um, well, Barmore was considered to be – well, first of all, he has – like PFF, like their advanced stats drive a lot of the, the way that, that people that are like in draft Twitter and draft media um, see these players. And Barmore, like PFF loves Barmore, okay? But Barmore has these concerns about his off-field. He's the number 43 player in Daniel Jeremiah's rankings. And um, I think that there, this is a player where there's a disconnect between draft Twitter and the uh, NFL media draft, you know, industrial complex, the way that they view where this guy is going to be drafted and where, and how the teams actually value Christian Barmore for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I will say that the NFL did invite Barmore to the draft. He's going to be there in Cleveland for the first round. So somebody is telling them that, that, you know, something's going on there. Um, and also Rousseau, I was going to say, and I had that bet on Rousseau. Uh, then now the line has gotten completely blown out and it's gone now. But Rousseau also invited to the draft and you could have gotten him uh, to go in the first round at a pretty good number. I think it was like minus 120 or minus 130. Now it's like minus 350. And it's interesting because the story on Rousseau is very similar to the story on Barmore, where um, he seems to be more valued in some circles than by actual in the, than by the than by the teams. Um, like I, I haven't had, I, I didn't put Russo in, in the first round. I didn't put Barmore either in, in my, in the first round of my latest mock draft uh, for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, Anthony, we should discuss here. Uh, Colts defensive line, uh, Colts take defensive line first plus three twenty five on DraftKings. Uh, offensive line is the, is the favorite right now, but you know, half the mocks that I'm looking at have them taking like a Jalen Phillips or Ojolari, like one of these edge guys. Uh, so I think that's pretty good value. And then uh, J.C. Horn, first defensive player, it's still three to one out there. I think that that's a good bet, especially against, you know, he's plus 150 to be first corner. It's almost the exact same bet. I mean, you're, you have Micah Parsons in there, but I feel like the first the first defensive player is likely to be a corner. So mm-hmm. uh, still some value on that. There's been increasing buzz. I think that uh, J.C. Horn could be the number eight overall pick to Carolina. Like yes. that, he, that he might not even make it to Dallas. I mean, he's, you know, he, he went to school at South Carolina, um, you know, right, right down the road. He, this is a huge need for the Panthers. I mean, they've got nothing at cornerback. I guess you could consider Dante Jackson something, but I mean, he's a guy who's gotten benched. Um, JC Horn crushed his pro day, you know, was really, he was a a guy who followed number one receivers uh, in college in the SEC. Um, so I, I think that he's he's a guy to continue to bet on, whether it be the first corner, the first defensive player. You know, you're you're still you're getting plus odds at all that stuff uh, for yeah. all those bets. I like that for sure. I'm going to look at that. I might end up taking both those: the Colts one and the JC Horn one. Anything else, Anthony? Before we get out of here, no, I think that's it. I think that's uh, you know, I think there's definitely a bunch of stuff that you can still get on. Like if if there's bets people like and you, and you feel like you relate to the number, like there's nothing wrong with just getting a sweat for the draft. It's fun. Um, but in terms of value, I think that's pretty much it for me for fun. Nobody has fun here, Anthony. We're not, (laughs) we're we're trying to make money. We're not having fun. Uh, Evan, anything we didn't discuss you want to hit on, uh, before we get out of here? No, I would say, look at your, your, uh, your, your sports book though, and try to like peg dudes with teams. Um, cause you can get some really good odds, like Rashad, uh, Rashawn Slater to be the giants pick at number 11, which is, is very realistic would crush a huge need for them. You know, there's like plus uh, it's like eight to one, you know, that, that kind of stuff. You, you, you know, you've done it with Jalen Waddle and the Cardinals. And I, I, I like that. Um, you could also look at Jalen Waddle and the Dolphins, I, I think would be 
uh, pretty interesting. Although those odds might have started to come down, yeah, uh, recently, yeah. Um, and again, Justin Fields, you know, man, if you could hit like a long, like a team to come up, like even the Bears, the Bears at ten to one to come up and get Justin Fields, um, mm-hmm. that can make your entire draft almost. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, all these bets that are long shots that are unlikely to win, but when they do have a big payoff, they only need to be right 5%, 10% of the time, depending on what the line is. All right. We're all set for the draft, man. Coming up on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube, it will be me, Evan, Leone, and Corrine reacting to the first round and also getting set for the second round. And there will be props available on the second round. We'll talk about some of that also to come. Evan's final mock draft will be up. Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. And then we'll be back next week on the pod to talk about the fall. And that's really what I care about the most. I find the most fascinating thing about these guys in landing spots and not just how the rookies will perform, but how it affects the veterans that were there because we learn so much just by what teams do in the draft of what they think of their current players. So I'm excited about that. Anthony, this was awesome. Tell the people where they can find you, where they can find you on the Twitter machine, everything like that. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Amixta. Uh, most of my fantasy stuff will be on Football Guys. Uh, and I'm still keeping up with a little bit of uh, my Substack, Amixta.substack.com. Uh, just more personal stuff, uh, some stuff that isn't going to make it a Football Guys. That's where my mock draft will be. So check that out. All right. Enjoy the draft, everyone. We will see you on Friday morning. Good luck to everyone out there who actually still roots for a real football team. I don't know why you do that, but if you do, I hope that they get the player that that you want them to take for Evan for Anthony for Jerry's actually in the background today for producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.